Hello, and welcome to the Novi Conversation. I'm Steve Waltz. And I'm Jeff Bergalski. And today, Jeff, I think our podcast, we're going to call it CRM, How Much is Too Much? Oh, intriguing. Yeah, can you have can you ever have enough CRM? I know salespeople just love putting that stuff in, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got kicked out of being an actual account manager because of my poor CRM skills. <laughs> well, selling things isn't important. Just putting the stuff in is more important. But we're going to talk <laughs> about that, and to help us talk about that is one of our newer additions to Inovia, and that's Andrew Tusky. Andrew, welcome. Hey guys, Ooh, thanks welcome, for having me aboard. Well, you're welcome. I mean, I didn't hire you, but uh, we're glad to have you. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for welcoming me then. You know, at least, <laughs> at least thanks for not shunning me, I guess. That's right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so we, we just hired Andrew. Deal with it. Okay, we'll deal with it. Oh, well, we're glad. Andrew, we're glad to have you. We on the customer engagement team. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, a uh, little bit newer to the team, been here, um, I think, four or five months now. And uh, before this, worked for a few different tech companies that dealt really specifically with with CRM and um, marketing as well. So I'm um, really excited to talk about this one just because it's it's something that's pretty much been my day-to-day for the last five or six years. Well, great. And, you know, we've done podcasts on CRM and, you know, Jeff has done some of the you know, ride-alongs with with sales reps from other companies to kind of hear their, their take on it. And you know, one of the the things that I when I speak on it, it's you know a, a lot of the things that I hear, it it just you know you just you just hear these stories the failure rate and, and the research shows anywhere from about one third to two thirds, closer to two thirds of implementations of CRM are considered failures. And there's so much data out there. And, you know, it really depends on who you talk to. But I think, you know, one of the things that that sparked reaching out to you to have you on this podcast, Andrew, is that, you know, I always wondered when people like if you got to have a plan first, right? You got to you really have to dig, dig deep down. Why do you want it and build your strategy? Right. You, you, you need to really understand the why your goals you know, and then kind of go from there. But it seems like where, where, where these companies struggle is that they try to put too much in too fast. I want to kind of get your take on that. Yeah, I was, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about it the other day. Um, and it's, the timing is really relevant because I'm thinking of sort of New Year's resolutions and and workouts. Um, and it's really similar in, in that fashion um, because anybody can work out right? Same with CRM. Anybody can do a CRM, but neither of them really work out that well unless you have a plan. And you can throw everything at the wall. You can do bicep curls, you can do bench press, and it doesn't really matter unless there's a strategy involved. Um, And CRM operates much the same way, Um, not only in terms of implementation, but even post-implementation, really thinking about your the way your business runs day to day, because it does change. Um, and that's one thing that I've always liked to to coach people on is even when you have it eventually set up, um, you have to continue thinking about how do I make improvements? Because even if you, you know, everything goes exactly according to plan and everything launches exactly the way you want, you know, three to six months out, you may figure out, Hey, this isn't really, <laughs> this isn't working for our team. So even if it works day one, um, you, you really need to consider, 
that user acceptance testing and understanding from your salespeople, is it working for them, even if it did, you know, even if it's already working for me. So there's kind of a lot that goes into what makes makes it successful. And I think a lot of people tend to think of it as more of a technical challenge, like how do I set up X or Y? When in reality, it's basically mapping out your business process and making sure the CRM flows with it. Because as a salesperson, I want to do the least amount of work in the CRM, but get the most value out of it. And so for you know, for my boss, I want him to be able to see that I'm doing my work, that I'm making progress within these sales and that I'm making calls and I'm sending emails and doing all these things that contribute to making a sale. But you really have to map that out in order to have a successful implementation. And I'm with you because I think a lot of companies view it as a technology-only solution. Like, we're just going to implement this. Like, it's... You know, you know, ERP is is different, right? We try to automate our processes, make the business run well. And you need to kind of have, when you scope out a CRM project, but it's strictly not an IT project, right? Because if, if you do it that way and, and, and not really have that plan that you that we talk about up front, it, it really doesn't go well because you can have lack of user adoption. Um, and, you know, I... I I'm kind of curious to hear from you when you were taking calls with Salesforce, how many of of the senior leadership or people that you're talking to that were in the C-suite, what do they want it for? I'm really curious to hear what was the those conversations. That is, <laughs> that's a great question. And I, I laugh just because I think their goals are typically very different than the end users. Um, but I think a lot of it comes from the understanding of knowing what you don't know, right? Like I I know that from a senior level, they want to know what's happening day to day, but they don't need to know the to a granular level what I am doing with each and every individual, you know, customer or prospective customer. And really kind of what that whittles down to in in my in my eyes is reporting and and dashboards. Um, a lot of them just simply want to know that the business is operating at the level that it needs to, to be efficient. Um, and I think, you know, the way you, you titled this podcast, how much is too much is great because I think a lot of them try to do all of it at once, <laughs> which is they want to know how many calls are being made, how many emails are being sent, you know, all of those things. When in reality, you probably only need to know a few things off the bat and then you can add to that. Like it's, it's an iterative process and a lot of leadership typically wants to see all of it done at once. Um, and to your point, I think ERP is a little bit different just because you do want to map it out. And typically when we work with our clients, we do it in phases. And I think if you take that same approach with CRM, you tend to have a much more successful implementation and an ongoing engagement with the CRM in, in total. Um, and just making it easier for both senior management to see what's happening, but also from an individual perspective, be able to give them um, that information. I'll make another point and maybe I'll let Jeff ask a question. Um, you know, when I talk with, if you're talking to C-suite people, you know, especially uh, CFO or CEO, and and you're not involving the VP of sales, you know, it's, 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 
because because when when I see it to where they want to do it for, you know, they want reporting, they want forecasting. If that is the driver, it doesn't seem to go well. So you know, it's having that conversation to rethink your CRM as a tool to increase revenue. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, if you have a well thought out strategy, you know, if your if your strategy is to improve the customer relationship and to increase revenue, how do you go about doing that? And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, salespeople can do their job before CRM and without CRM, right? At the end of the day, you know, they they, want to sell things. So how do we get them to want to put things in, right? And it just just seems like when you reverse engineer it, what we talk about quite a bit, it just seems to to go better on that. And I know, Jeff, you've you've had the opportunity to, to run to ride along with reps, and hear the stories from the reps. So I'm kind of curious to get your take on, on how they view it. Yeah, well, I'd say that in my experience, the um, sort of the the driver for the project is is one of uh, one of two different, uh, I guess, um, main categories. And one of them is that there it it comes from the sales leadership, and they want to have uh, more insight into the day-to-day activities of their sales team. Um, and then the other one, it, the other scenario is that, as you mentioned, it was it, they want more reporting or metrics. They realize that the information that the sales team um, has um, creates in their interactions with customers uh, is beneficial to the entire organization. And so they want to you know, make that available in some way. And I would say that when it, when the projects come from uh, sales leadership, um, and it's you know perceived as a um, CRM isn't looked at as a tool for the salespeople; it's looked at as a tool for the sales leadership to keep track of salespeople. It uh, it doesn't go so well, but um, but you know I think in any uh, in any organization, like I think just even as to how we use it here at Inovia, how we use our CRM system. And, um, you know, the there is so much that can be done with a uh, with a properly implemented CRM system. And, and in terms of, you know, um, just getting your data in there is, is the first step and getting your people used to the interface. Um, and, and so as you look at projects, and I guess that would be a question I would posed to you, Andrew, in, in terms of, you know, how do you uh, how do you get from from just the those basic building blocks of getting the information in the system and getting your people um, comfortable with it to the point where you're automating, you know, marketing tasks and you're, you know, touching your customers automatically um, and, you know, in terms of then generating revenue and predicting sales and, you know, which customers should your reps be talking to? Like, how does that magic happen? Is that just uh, patience and time or is there a science to it? You know, there's just a button you press and then everybody learns it. It's it's super easy, actually. Um, hey, that no, sounds wish... like Business Central. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you you know, can I tell I came from Salesforce, can't you, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I think you hit it right on the head, though, right? Like, it's it's a matter of testing, right? Like, how do you continually ask your your team without sort of badgering them, you know, what's working. Um, because, you know, metrics are are helpful, right? Like we we all need them. 
Um, you know, leadership needs them. I need them. I like to know how many calls it takes to get to a sale. That's always great. But like the, the metrics for metrics sake are not helpful to the end user. Like my, at the end of the day, what I want to do is be able to keep track of what's happening, but also be able to tell my boss, Hey, look, I'm doing all these really great things. And then everybody's happy. But to, to get to that point, you know, I, I kind of think about, when I came here to Inovia and I had to learn a new system, right? We use a different CRM than I was using before. Um, how do I get to that point? Some of it is, is frankly learning from others within the company. So how do they use it? Um, but again, also learning what's important to people at each level, because what may be important to our boss may be different than what's important to our operational team, right? So like one of our fields is, how many hours do we think this project is going to take? And so that way they can forecast that out. And ultimately that helps me because if I'm able to give them accurate numbers, they can accurately tell me when this project can start. And so being able to understand the value of the CRM is one of the fastest ways that you can get people to adopt that technology is understanding how is it going to help me day to day and how is it going to help me long term? Because my day to day goals are very different than my, you know, quota, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annual. Um, and I want to know sort of what are those things that contribute to me being successful. So I think just frankly, taking time, learning the system, being able to share with your team what's helpful to them, um, it, it just really helps with user adoption and, and ultimately getting that that user buy-in. Very wise words. I like when you speak more than when Steve talks because um, each Steve, word when Steve talks, I just hear blah blah blah. <laughs> and it's the holidays, Jeff. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Actually, remember Steve? Like remember our uh, like the the first? Um, I think 50 percent of our first like 13 podcasts were all about CRM. So it's nice to. Uh, go back down memory lane and and touch on it because honestly it is a really important topic like still i mean there are so many and i don't know maybe if it has to do with with covid or if you know companies are just now have a renewed focus on you know better customer service and better metrics etc steve why do you think crm is i mean i know like you're mr crm but like in mm -hmm. general why do you think crm rem remains so popular well Statistics show that by the year 2027, that they'll spend customers will spend 100 over 120 billion dollars a year on CRM, and so the market is growing because people want to know how to use the data. and And I think the reason I got passionate about it because when I was with the pharma company, you know, there's so many different divisions, you know, so many people using it, and it was it was purely you know, the, the, it was the, the unwritten rule was like, okay, you know, this is for the sales team, but it, it really wasn't, you know, and I saw the failures there and then the struggles. And then as I got into the ERP world, I, I realized that that's not just a large company phenomenon. It is, it is, is, is all, you know, a lot of companies and because <clears throat> they're so it's because the pain, you know, I deal with, I hear people all the time, just the pain on the ERP side. And then when you talk about the CRM side of it, it's, it's, it's like, whoa. And, because really you have, I think there's two sides to it. One is what we're talking about here is one is, okay, setups, 
how are you going to use it? We're very fortunate because, you know, Tom is a CRM expert. And when we brought in dynamic CRM to Anovia, you kind of talked about it earlier. We didn't do everything at once. Okay. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we had our, all our accounts are set up correctly. The data was clean. Um, and then, you know, make sure our contacts are correct. And okay. Then after we kind of got through that and logged our task and sales calls in there and our opportunities, you know, what do you want it to do from there? And, and I think one of the things we've been beneficial that I know a lot of companies struggle is what we were able to integrate our marketing efforts with our sales activity. You know, we, we have a couple marketing people that are really part of the team that have really helped us integrate that stuff. And I think there's a huge disconnect with a lot of companies on that because, you know, marketing wants it differently than, than, than sales wants it because, you know, as uh, Jeff might have overstated Andrew a little bit of how many CRM podcasts we did in the first uh, <laughs> one, but if I'd have had my way, we'd have done more of them because it's, it's, you know, it's such an important topic. But I, th- I think what, what happens is, is that now on the culture side of things, I truly think we're the, the big failure is in a lot of this is the culture of the company, because if it's truly for improving sales and the customer experience, is it okay for salespeople to fail? All right. Because when I was with the, with the pharma company, if you put a big deal in, all eyes were upon it. It went beyond your boss and your regional manager. And you had people from other organizations. And then as you move that down the pipeline, and if you lost it, it was like, ooh, bad. But hey, if, if, if you put it in because you're working that deal through your email and your cell phone and you felt there's an 80% chance of getting it and you magically put it in, you want it, you were praised for it, right? So as a salesperson, <laughs> what are you going to choose, right? And it's it, But if it's okay to where, you know, you put that in and we had all ice upon it and you tried to work that deal and you lost it, you know what? All right, we'll get them next time versus, you know, well, you should have done this, you should have done that. That's that's where it's really changed. The old mindset of, because I truly believe the sales, the frontline sales manager is probably the most important person in the company. It's probably one of the hardest jobs. Because one, think about it, they got to manage salespeople. All right. And then they're also facing with customers. Then they got to report back up to senior leadership on, on what's going on. You know, so it, it's really a, um, you know, it's a balance, not a balancing act, but it's really, you know, keeping all the stakeholders, you know, in, in tune and in line. And but if, if the if the culture used to be, hey, this is our number, we're going to hit it. This is the activity of sales force and they would be left alone. But now when you put all that stuff in CRM, senior leadership can see it and, and people outside that, you know, operations can see it. And I think that's just changed the whole cultural state on that. I don't have my little rant there. I don't know if Andrew, anything you want to add to that? No, I it's I'm glad you bring that up though cuz it it reminded me um of my of my Salesforce days. So um I was in a role there um that they called the business development rep. Um and ultimately your job is to source opportunities for about 7 to 10 8 uh AEs or account executives that that you support. Um but you know, when, when you talk about the stakeholders and everybody involved, it reminded me of my days there just primarily because I worked in the general business space, which is, which was considered, I think it was like 500 or a thousand employees plus. Um, and, and frankly, we only had a handful of accounts, right? We had maybe, I think I had maybe 
30 accounts that I could call into. And the expectation at the time is you called 40 times a day. Like the, the mantra was 20 by 11. So 20 calls by 11 a.m. But the problem that we encountered, especially because we were the business unit that I was a part of was was fairly new, was you were calling customers, only your customers, the same 20 to 30. And if you call them 40 times a day, you are ultimately going to make some people very upset. So um, ultimately, I, you know, I, I think about what that what that does to to me as a salesperson, like it doesn't make me feel any better necessarily because I know that it doesn't really help me. Like it helps the company because it makes me look great in front of my boss or whatever, but like it doesn't push the, the agenda forward, I guess is, is the best way to put it. No, that's an interesting way to put it. Why? How do you make 40 call 20 calls by 11 AM? And how do you actually have conversations? <laughs> if one Great takes question. a half hour and you just call to somebody say hi and hang up on them or <laughs> i mean it's it's a it's a lot of just like calling around the because i mean some of these companies are so big that they have like departments all over but i mean to your point it's like what purpose am i am i serving because i had i think early on i had a boss who was, was less accommodating uh, to put it kindly and and really wanted us to drive you know, dials and, and push it. And then as we started to see a lot of success come from our business unit, where I was starting to pile up opportunities that were frankly pretty large and put me well over quota. You know, I had a new boss that came in and he didn't care how many calls I make or how many calls I made. He just, he wanted me to hit my number because me hitting my number was him hitting his number, which is right. his boss hitting his number, right? Like that's <laughs> at the end of the day, like that's what CRM should be is it should be telling you how to get to success, not how do I look to everybody else in the company. And I think that's where a lot of companies just go wrong is they just consider that to be, you know, the end all be all is what do, what do our numbers look like? Well, it doesn't matter if you're not making any sales. <laughs> like that's, that's, right. that is the, the goal, right? Like, or at least it should be. And so if you're making 40 calls a day to the same 30 customers, you're not helping anybody. You're not even helping yourself. So you got to rethink the way that what the way that's done. So, and I think you know the the spreadsheet effect. You know, everybody looks at spreadsheets and you know they, they forget the the human part of it. You know, people dealing with people. But you're right because the uh, you know a lot of people can make it look pretty on CRM, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a tool. You know, for me, it's a, it's the mindset is how are you going to create opportunities? Is it going to help me advance the opportunities and and then win them? That's the mindset of a sales hunter and a true sales professional. And I see more success when you build it to do that than build it more for inspection, right? Because a lot of it becomes compliance. And that's another topic. We won't get into the coaching versus compliance conversation. But I, what I like to do is really kind of, you know, we talked about the culture thing, but I think, you know, in tune what we just called this uh, podcast, how much is too much. And so w- when somebody calls or we're talking to them, uh, our, our customer engagement team, or even some of our delivery folks, oh, uh, you know, I'm looking at is this relationship management and business central slash nav, is that what I need or do I need a sales force or do I need a, um, you know, the Microsoft one? <clears throat> and really, I think, you know, the word I kind of always think of is, is horsepower. You know, first off, have that kind of the conversation we're talking about. What, tell me about your strategy. Why do you want it? Right. And then what do you want to use it for? 
But but Andrew, you saw I think a lot of it is when when people try to do too much, you know, is I, I haven't really re, I, I researched to try to find is there like if you hire a consultant, you know, to come in and help you, maybe an outside consultant to come in, you know, they try to, you know, they they're they're invested, they want to try to bring value to you, but who's to have that conversation and just lay out a roadmap, okay? So you 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 want to do this out of your CRM. But you also have your ERP system. I, I guess so. The question I'm getting to you and Jeff is: so how would you develop a plan that is manageable in the beginning, and then get to where they want to go? I mean, I don't know if either you want to try to take that on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting question because to your point, and I, I think you made a great point earlier, which is that there are a lot of CRMs out there. Um, and they do a lot of different things, right? Like some of them are more marketing, uh, sort of geared towards marketing. And some of them are just frankly geared towards anybody who needs the lowest amount of CRM possible. But I think what's, what's unique in our position is when we're thinking about ERP is a really holistic view of the way business is done. Um, so Jeff and I, for instance, we're, we're working with a company right now that's, that's evaluating, and one of their questions is around, you know, can can Microsoft Business Central replace Salesforce? Well, I don't know. We have to have that conversation. I need to know what you're currently doing in Salesforce that we would need to be able to replicate. And frankly, what's actually important? Like if we're only tracking sales, great, we can do that. That is super easy and we can track, you know, everything from beginning to end. But if you need it to drive everything and go into marketing and, you know, maybe tune into a few other systems, then we're kind of having a different conversation. Um, and I think, you know, it's a point Jeff brought up earlier too, which is that, you know, those conversations are different for each member of the team. Like the IT member is going to have a very different response than the sales, sales team, as well as the finance team. They all have different agendas um, and getting to, to that cohesive answer of this is the way it needs to work you know there's really no one way to get to it it's it's frankly asking questions and, and making sure everyone understands what their role is because a lot of them try to you know get their two cents in there and say it needs to be this way well why and how does it impact every other department um and just sort of understanding what role you are playing in that process so i don't know if that necessarily answers your question but um, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about it like that because, you know, you're typically not dealing with just the salespeople. It's everyone, you know, everyone is impacted in, in some way by it. <laughs> okay. So what I was going to basically say, I'm an owner of a company and I'm talking with you guys. I say, you know what I, I really wanted to do is I want to put all my opportunities in there, manage my contacts, do email, um, promotions. Uh, I also want to be able to create invoices out of CRM, and I also want to have word templates so I could actually just pull up uh, work orders or uh, statements of work and, um, and and basically do sales quotes and sales orders out of that. It, so would you slow me down or where would that conversation go with you guys? Yeah, and I, Jeff, feel, feel free to, to jump in because you've been a, a great help when we, when we do have these conversations, but... I mean, I would I would take it one step at a time. Like I think 
if you haven't written out your sales process in some way, shape, or form, whether it's you know an Excel doc, a Word doc, whatever it is, um, then you're really doing a disservice to yourself and your team because the way that we I've approached these conversations is, is sometimes I like to try and break off the C-suite from the end user because the perception of the C-suite versus the reality of the individual contributor is sometimes very stark because sometimes the senior management will be will say something you know akin to what you just said, which is that we need to do all of these 20 to 30 different items. When in reality, the sales individual is just like, well, I just need to put in my calls, maybe my contacts, make sure marketing is is good to go. And it's maybe three or four things. And management doesn't even realize that that's the case. Well, then we're having a very different conversation because it probably wasn't important if they weren't paying attention and did not notice it. So to your point, slowing it down and just breaking down the actual process of what they perceive the process is versus what reality is, is very helpful in just understanding what you need from from the next system you're going to use. So, Jeff, I don't know if, if I, you know, I'm off base there, but feel free to correct me if you've, you've heard differently. No, I think um, you're exactly right. Although um, I will say that I've had, you know, in part of the process when we're working with, uh, when I was still an account manager and, and working with our customers, having them evaluate CRM solutions, um, you know, even outside of Microsoft and, and, you know, interviewing some vendors and then having some vendors say like, I don't, I'm not even going to get involved with this project because I don't see, um, I don't see executive buy-in or I don't see, you know, after we've had an initial call or two, with the with the client, um, I don't see the right um, level of communication between um, you know these two groups of people, um, the the C suite and and the sales team. Um, so so I think that is another important factor that that everyone needs to uh, to understand what's important. And in uh, in the case of of one of the CRM implementations that I was involved with, the most important information that you know we we tried to we tried to position the project as you know really uh, giving um, more tools um, in the toolbox for the sales staff and you know that was the entire reason we wanted better um, visibility into the customer base um, using information that the sales team had and making that um, visible to the entire organization and so we said we were going to give you some tools and the sales team came back with like all we want out of this is we need to see like an in our inventory position on these on these items because we're always calling back to someone at the office because you know we're not comfortable and and we were using um you know we we're using Dynamics NAV or Business Central as the ERP, and and we were implementing a CRM solution around that. That information was that they were looking for was in the ERP. They just didn't have the expertise to know how to get it, or you know it wasn't available to them. So so um, we got a small win with creating a custom report that that they had, and that got buy-in for the larger project. Um, you know I don't know if that um, is 
the exception or the rule in terms of, you know, I think uh, getting small wins to build some momentum with any um, business project is a, is a great way to go about it if you can find those things. But that takes a fair amount of discovery. And, and that's the other challenge I think we have in this question of how much is too much. If you ask, um, a, you know, depending on the size of your sales team, if you ask your sales team what's important to you as a salesperson and you've got a, you know, 12 person team, you're probably going to get 12 different answers. So then how do you kind of take everyone's wish list and, and get it to the point where you have a, you know, um, a realistic project scope for something like this? Because, you know, everyone has their own opinions. Everyone can do sales um, a little bit differently, but trying to figure out um, how much input to get from the team um, so that you get, you, you get a, uh, a project that gives them what they want, but, you know, not um, spending hundreds of hours just in the design phase without getting anything done. I guess that's, that's also been a challenge. So. Well, and Steve I think would probably know that answer because Steve knows everything. <laughs> but Andrew, feel free to jump in. <laughs> no, I was just going to kind of piggyback off that for a second. And I think, you know, you, you bring up a good point. And I think that's really why it's good to have a consultant when you're starting to figure some of this out, because you typically are managing a lot of different opinions and a lot of different ways that people want the CRM to function. So if you do have an expert that you're working with that can say, well, I've seen it done this way and it doesn't really work quite as well, or just getting sort of that third person perspective from, you know, a consultant or a vendor, whoever you go with, um, it's helpful to get that outside view um, just because sometimes you get so sort of in your own head <laughs> um, that, that you're maybe missing the big picture. So, um, so Steve, any, anything else you'd add to that? Well, I, th I think, uh, you know, where when we talk to people and we're trying to, you know, help them decide, do we take too much on? And because it, it really, well, I think it becomes really interesting is, 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 is kind of what you guys got to executive sponsorship ownership. I, I'm from the old, I'm from old school. Who owns this project? Okay. And what are they being measured on? And do you have do you have backing from the C-suite? But if the C-suite is so adamant on you know wanting to watch the activity of the salespeople, and you know if we can break through that barrier and say, okay, how, let's build it to help the salespeople sell more stuff. And, it, and I think what you said, like all right, if we're talking to twelve different salespeople, they all have different opinions. I think they'd all agree is keep it simple, right? What's in it for me? Because at the end of the day, if you want them to put the stuff in, which is the data that makes that beautiful funnel, right, and, and helps you forecast, we got to make it easy for them to put the stuff in. And if, uh, you know, if, if what, like we've had discussions, Jeff, how many times, you know, we talked about, and I think there's still confusion on our team. When do I put that opportunity in, right? And, uh, and, Okay, see, it, we're, this podcast is right before the end of the year, so if we want to sandbag for next year, <laughs> we want, just, just kidding, right? But yeah, we, we, you know, we want to we want to understand the rules of the game, as I like to call it, for the salespeople, in that when they stick it, when they put it in, the information in. But I think if you know what's worked well for us is that we kind of did that, right? Let's 
let's let's get our funnel, let's get our you know our our uh, opportunities in, and and have that discussion of how to stage out the sales process because I'm always amazed as how many companies when you ask them about their sales process they kind of have this they pause and have this blank look in their face. You know, and, and hopefully you've done this long enough to where you understand, okay, at this stage, I have this amount of chance to go into the next stage. And so when you can get that all done, and then you can start maybe, you know, plugging in what I'm trying to get to is, so when you start plugging in some of the other stuff, I, I the neat thing about the relationship management in Business Central, it is Business Central or it's NAV, right? I mean, you're not connecting anything. It's that data inside of it. So there's a benefit of that. I try to explain to customers. Look, you're you're not you're not calling out to Salesforce or relationship management or you know uh, CRM, Microsoft CRM. It's it's there, right? It's inherited. It's inside your it's just, it's inside of there. And and so the, the chance you know that you're going to be more accurate. And now you got Power BI. So some of these beautiful reports that you can get, you can just take them right out of out of the Business Central relationship management. And I and I've always you know. I, as I've seen Power BI grow, I think it's almost it's 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 been a really good system to work with CRM because some of the stuff that people try to get right, you could if you have a separate CRM system, you have data in that, and you have data. Let's say you're using Salesforce and you're using Business Central. Now you have two data points, right? What data do you want to pull from each? How are you going to create your Power BI reports? There's so many ways to have that conversation, but it sounds like through the discovery phase. Um, you know, and really, you know, Tom likes to ask when I'm on some calls with them. So tell me uh, with your team, one through 10, they're, you know, where they're at as far as understanding this. If they're at 10s, then, you know, you, you have a better chance of doing that, uh, uh, getting them, you know, more functionality in the beginning. If they say <laughs> they're ones and twos on adopting technology or understanding it, you know, you can't you can't throw all that stuff at them. I mean, do you, do you agree? Yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, I think it it really depends again on that end user. Um, I, I I think back to Salesforce had a pretty big rollout of a new UI that they launched, um, and one day they just turned it on for <laughs> everybody in the sales uh, organization. And people were not happy, um, primarily because they were just used to doing it one way, right? There, there wasn't as much training around, here's how you do it in the new system, here's some things to understand that are different than what we were doing before. Um, and just understanding, again, what is the comfort level? Because everybody's going to understand the way the system is used just differently, right? So... You know, I, I, for instance, I think about um, Keith on our on our marketing team, who is just super smart about all this kind of stuff. He understands our CRM at a, such a granular level that when I ask him questions, I feel like I'm I'm learning something in, in the process. And I think he gets that I'm I'm new to the team, so I'm not new to CRM. So he can use certain phrases to to get me up to speed. But you know, just understanding that his level is you know four or five times where I'm at and being able to speak to me that way, it brings me up to speed a lot faster. And I think even as we consider new team members um, that, that we're bringing on, we have to consider how easy is it for us to actually onboard someone. So again, 
one of the questions that, you know, you guys mentioned earlier is when do we even add opportunities? Like I, I wasn't completely sure to be honest. Um, and then I asked the team, they said, you know, once you've had that first discussion and can qualify it as a viable opportunity, that's when you put it in. And so that's been ingrained in my, in my mind anytime I have these conversations. So if I'm not qualifying them on, you know, budget time, you know, all those sort of natural things that we want to understand, um, you know, I, I need to know where we're at in the sales cycle to actually put it into the CRM. Um, so all those things kind of go into play in terms of how do we just learn the CRM. Um, I think one of the other things you mentioned earlier too was was around once we get past that barrier, how do we start adding other things to it, right? So how do we start adding marketing? How do we start adding, you know, if we have like a, a, a you know, service desk, how do we integrate those things? Um, and again, it's it's frankly, it's getting an understanding of what they're using now, understanding how comfortable they are learning new technologies. And again, it just comes back to user acceptance testing. And I feel like a bit of a broken record saying that, but that is primarily where things break down is as you are building out the CRM, you have to constantly ask, you know, is does this make sense for for your process? Um, both in terms, you know, technologically, is it easy to comprehend, but also logically doesn't make sense. So there's a lot that plays into it, but, um, I think you, you bring up a great point in just getting a baseline of <laughs> how comfortable are people with technology? Cause it, it tells you a lot, frankly. And, you know, I think I know we're coming close to the end is what I, you know, I like to talk about the process and the culture because the culture is, you know, when you're dealing with people, right. It, it's, mm-hmm. it becomes challenging because, you know, there's a saying that people want to know what to do. They don't want to be told what to do. And let's say I'm your sales manager and I'm like, hey, Andrew, I know she only put three op- three uh, activities in this week. What's going on? You had 10 last week. What's going on? Right. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a great point because it's frustrating because, like, I think I'm doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And then you're coming to me saying – my expectations are vastly different than yours. So, yeah. you know, just giving that baseline from manager to individual, it's huge. And, and Jeff, I noticed your two-year opportunities were dated uh, the 30th of the month. Oh, by the way, that was last month. <laughs> right. Another reason I was kicked off the sales <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and as we're doing our pipeline, I know you guys weren't on it, but as we're doing our pipeline review this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it's dated today, and you said it about another month. Okay, just, you know, you know, those are things that if, you know, we're, we're, we're big boys and girls, and, you know, in, in, I, explained, I explained to whoever I'm talking with is that you, you have to be careful in those conversations, right, because, you know, who, who, no one, it's almost like it's, you, you need to have those conversations to be firm and fair, right? The expectation is, is that the opportunity should be up up to date and the date should be in there. And then when when you're going through that, if, if, if they're not in or if the opportunities aren't in right, you know, then that's not a conversation you have during those calls with everybody on it. That should be, if it's a pattern, a, a one-off call. But I think a lot of companies don't understand that. And, uh, you know, they always say when you change the comp plan or you really come down hard on CRM that the, uh, that the good salespeople leave and the, the average and below average stay. But we won't go there. 
<laughs> you know, so, but I'm, you know, but that's, it's a, it is a huge culture thing because there's, you know, everybody thinks there's a shortage of developers in, 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 in consultants in this world, but there's, there's a larger shortage of professional salespeople and, and t- people think CRM is going to replace salespeople. It'll never replace salespeople. It's a tool to help them. So I think we're winding up on time. It's great, Andrew, to have you on the team and have you be involved with this. Any other comments you want to, you guys want to add to, to this conversation? No, I mean, I think, I think your comment about using it as a coaching opportunity is, is probably a great way to cap it off. Cause ultimately that's pretty much what it is, is <laughs> making sure you get what you need out of it. And, and they do too. So that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Cause it's coaching versus compliance. Right. And when you use it as a compliance, it, it, CRM offers you such a huge coaching opportunity. All right, Andrew, let's say you put in seven deals and you closed one of them. And a sales manager can say, I wonder why. Maybe you're great at prospecting to move them down there, but you need some coaching on how to close. Right. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying, you know, you can use the data to help identify opportunities on, on sales coaching. And I think that's kind of a missed opportunity in a lot of CRM installs or or you have or on the opposite, you have somebody that's they close they're 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 closing ninety percent of the deals, right? Either they're super closer or they're just not putting deals in the pipeline, right? And that's you know so it can help you identify that, but we need to be careful on 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 those compliance conversations and, and make sure they're one off coaching. So Jeff, anything else that you would like to add before we end our seventeenth and a half podcast on CRM? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, as uh I, I prefer uh, letting the experts speak, um, which, you know, if I did that for all of our podcasts, I would be really silent. But uh, no, I thought it was a, a great conversation. I um, I think that Andrew brings a great perspective, um, especially around CRM based on his uh, prior experience before joining our team. So between the two of you, I'm going to have my hands full uh getting the CRM talk to stop and talk about more important things like the Packer Bears game next week. <laughs> That's right. Once again, Aaron Rodgers is going to determine the future of the Bears, but um, <laughs> we we all know what's going to happen, so we, we, we won't go there. And uh, But it's I, I think it's great, you know, having, having you guys on there because I don't know if you realize this, Andrew, Jeff has how many Microsoft certifications? 17, mm-hmm. Jeff? Oh, 17 and another one pending. I am uh, taking right. a certification exam later this week. Nice. nice. That's 17 to 18 more than me. I don't know about you, Andrew. So Yeah. No, you're yeah, you're you're well ahead. And I, <laughs> Jeff, I think I lean on every single one of those certifications each week. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you sitting on top of it. <laughs> nice. awesome. Well, Andrew, once once again, thank you for joining the Novia podcast. You can reach Andrew. Uh through uh, our, either our website. Uh, he's also uh, does manage some accounts for us. So, you know, please feel free to reach out. Uh, and you're on LinkedIn, I take it? Yep, LinkedIn. Uh, I, I mean, I all the normal channels. Um, you can try and find me on, on Facebook. I'm not really there, but <laughs> for, for business purposes, it's it's all LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active there. Great. And uh, you can find us on Innovia.com. We're heavily involved on LinkedIn. And... Guys, this podcast is over. <laughs>